And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Two of the three most influential Catholic prelates in Europe have advocated publicly in recent months for the Church to change its teaching on the uh, immorality of same-sex acts. In February, you had Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, uh, the Archbishop of Luxembourg, who serves as president of the Commission of the Bishops' Conference of the European Union, and is also Relator General of the Synod on Synodality in Rome, which we'll hear a lot about next year. He said uh, in an interview that the Church's teaching that homosexual sex is sinful was, quote, wrong. And he argued that, quote, the sociological scientific foundations of this teaching is no longer correct, end quote. And then more recently, uh, in an interview published uh, at the end of March, uh, German Cardinal Reinhold Marx, speaking on these same issues, said that the Catechism of the Catholic Church is not set in stone, end quote, and that one is allowed to doubt what it says, end quote. Uh, in response, Father Philip Ochansky uh, penned an open letter to uh, Cardinal Hollerich and Marx. Uh, Father Bochansky is the executive director of Courage International. This is the apostolate for Catholics experiencing same-sex attraction who want to live chaste lives. Uh, Father Bochansky is also the author of The Virtue of Hope, How Confidence in God Can Lead You to Heaven, and also Wisdom of the Desert Fathers and Mothers, Ancient Advice for the Modern World. And Father, it's good to have you back here. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Al. It's great to be back on your show. You, when did you decide you needed to make a public open letter uh, to Cardinal Marx and Cardinal Hollerich? Well, you know, I, I travel a lot uh, for clergy education, uh, you know, talking to priests and deacons in their dioceses about uh, what the church teaches, how to present it well, how to be compassionate when they're speaking to people who are living with this experience. Um, and when I'm traveling, I also uh, see. Uh, many of our Courage and Encourage members locally. And so um, I've, I've been on the road quite a bit in the last couple of months, and, and this, this subject kept coming up. You know, what about uh, this cardinal? What about the, that cardinal? They yeah. don't seem to be supporting us. They, they, you know, if we say this, but there are people in these high positions who are saying the opposite, you know, what do we do about that? And so uh, I think it was towards the end of my most recent trip, it was very much on my mind, and and kept coming up in prayer, um, and so I was actually on my way back from a trip uh, to North Carolina and thought, you know, let me see if I can put some thoughts together in, uh, in a coherent way that, that just says, uh, basically, you know, the, a lack of unity on an issue as important as this is is going to have the opposite effect uh, that I think the Cardinals hope that it would, which would be to help people to feel at home in the Church, to feel supported by the Church. Uh, you know, when when it's just been my experience talking to courage and encourage members that they really uh, are hurt when they feel that such uh, such important leaders in the church are not supportive of, of the way they're trying to live. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, it's um, it's it's baffling to a lot of people who are asking themselves. Uh, these men in highly responsible positions must know that when they won't support uh, people who are same-sex attracted in their effort to live chastely, they must know that this is pulling the rug out from under them. What, what, I mean, how do you think they would respond to that? 
Well, I, I think the the the, the kind of uh, justification that I hear when uh, clergy at various levels are are not faithful to what the church teaches is that well we want to be welcoming and supportive of people who uh, who don't accept the teaching or who aren't uh, aren't ready to live it out and so we need to um, either soft pedal it or just stay silent about it. But you know the church is very clear, you know, to to depart from the church's teaching or to be ambiguous or silent. Well, it, it deprives people of of hearing the truth, which yeah. is you know what they really deserve. Uh, and and I think it has a you know it has a backfiring uh, uh, impact even on those folks. You know, when 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 it's a, a teaching at such a level that it can't be changed, because in the case of this teaching, it has to do with. Uh, with human nature and the nature of the human body, yep. um, of, of sexuality itself, um, and so when when uh, influential uh, leaders say, "Well, this is a teaching that probably can change; it ought to change," or as Cardinal Holler has said, "Well, is just wrong and and must change." Uh, well, then when the church has to come back and say, "Well, no," in reality, this teaching. Uh, as the Catechism presents it, is a definitive teaching. It's not something that the Church can change on its own. All that does is it, it leads the people who have been waiting for it to change to become further disillusioned, to feel further marginalized by the Church. Where if we had been upfront about it and and uh, and, and spoken the truth, uh, they might have been able to receive that eventually. Maybe not all at once, right? But eventually, uh, as as a word of compassion and of help uh, from the Church. So. I, I, I hope that um, that the cardinals and and uh, other uh, clergy uh, that they, they're coming at this from maybe a misplaced compassion, yes. really wanting wanting to help people, not wanting to beat them up with a teaching that that they're not ready to accept. But I think uh, that's misguided, and in reality, they're they're having the opposite effect. Yeah, I mean, I, you always like. To, I mean, those of us, well. This this is a this could be a vexing issue because we all know that uh, we've all had loved ones, friends, uh, and we know that uh, this can be being same sex attracted can be very burdensome and uh, special uh, special grace uh, needs to be available. Uh, and I what what I can't figure out though, Father, is where they think. This possibly ends. They, I mean, what for the church to change its teaching on something of this sort would require not just a statement that for reasons of compassion um, we're no longer going to um, uh, teach uh, that there is a design in the human body or that human nature, male and female, is. you know, created for the procreation of the human race. This is not just something you can you can say. I wish we would just let bygones be bygones and let people be people and let them do whatever they want to do. This would require. I, I can't even see how this could conceivably be changed. There's no room here. Uh, there's nothing in our tradition that would create movement it seems to me that's right and and you know cardinal newman saint john henry newman wrote a lot about the development of doctrine but the most important part of that is it has to be real development yes we should be able to see you know in the apostolic age in the sacred scripture 
the the fruit the the root of whatever it, you know however the teaching develops down through the, the centuries and um, this would be an abandonment of uh, of what the sacred scripture says about the nature of the human person of what the tradition of the church has always taught about the nature of marital relations about the nature of marriage itself um, and I mean it's one of those things I think that the church will eventually have to say very definitively that it doesn't have the power to change right. Um, now, I mean, I think you look back at, at for example, the, the writings of Father Gustavo Gutierrez, who's uh, the South American priest uh, who introduced the idea of liberation theology. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the revolution in what he wrote was, he said, you know, there are two ways to do theology, in quotes. Uh, one is to start with doctrine and then help people to adjust their their practice, the way mm-hmm. they're actually living. Mm-hmm. Said, but that, that smacks of colonialism, it smacks of elitism, it's mm-hmm. like trying to impose it a European way of thinking on, on people from other cultures. So, so really what we need to do in our age is to start with praxis, how people are sure. actually living, and then adjust our doctrine to accommodate that. And I think that's what Cardinal Hollerick was getting at when he said that the social scientific basis for the teaching is no longer correct. In other words, he says, you know, like others have said before, that starting from an assumption that that the scripture is not the word of god inspired by the holy spirit but really the creation of men living in a certain culture at a certain time and place and if we know more about uh physiology if we know more about sociology or psychology or Mm -hmm. the way people are living that you know that we can kind of throw out the the scripture and tradition as outdated and replace it with you know, our interpretation of how people are living and feeling today. Well, that that overlooks the reality of divine inspiration of the Word of God, the right. teaching authority of the Church, um, the idea that, that God is actually the author of the, of the Scripture, that, that His Word is, is binding. It, it's just, it's a, it, it is a theological revolution to say, you know, that, that um, we can just kind of look at practice. It, all, it also... Uh, disregards the reality of the original sin, which means not everything that feels natural is natural. Right. Um, you know, and um, I think the worst part about it is, you know, when when we put it in terms of of national or local uh, synods, you know, then it, it's, it provokes disunity in the church. I mean, something can't be a grave sin in Warsaw <laughs> right. and and a source of grace 350 miles away in Berlin. Right. It just <laughs> truth doesn't work like that. No, that's right. Um, yeah. I noticed in your open letter, you really focused in on um, the, their personal responsibility. Uh, a number of your paragraphs begin with the line, to violate your oath over this teaching would, you know, to violate your mm-hmm. oath would also wound, to violate your oath would certainly harm. So you, were, you really were focusing in on the oath that uh, those who are ordained to the priesthood uh, take. Tell me a little bit about approaching it that way. Well, you know, I mean, the, the catechism is translated into lots of languages, and, and I have to believe that the cardinals are certainly aware of what it says, because they keep referring back to it. And the catechism presents the teaching as uh, as founded on the Word of God, uh, you know, consistently taught by the tradition, based on an anthropological fact, and that means that it's it's an infallible exercise of the ordinary magisterium. And as you mentioned, we, we all took an oath when we were ordained first deacons and then priests um, to uphold those teachings and to hold firm to them. So I, I don't need to uh, argue the teaching with their eminences because right. they know the teaching and they ought to know the level of it. 
but you know it, it, the teaching is not up for debate but we each as, as you say have a responsibility to teach it clearly we made an oath which is a a solemn affirmation that we made calling on God to witness it. Right? And I, I stood at the altar in the seminary chapel. I put my hand on the gospel. I took that oath and, and they did as well. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a grave thing to, to break an oath. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't think it's, it's necessary to debate the teaching, but um, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, that maybe they, they think it, uh, again about, their obligation to uphold the teaching. You know, yeah. we, we've already said the church really doesn't have the power to change a teaching like this. But if it did, that would be done by uh, an ex cathedra statement of a, of a pope or uh, a defini- solemn definition by an ecumenical council that would say, well, in fact, that we haven't been teaching this clearly up till now, and this right. is what the teaching is. But it doesn't get changed by uh, an international synod. It doesn't get changed, certainly, by a national synod, and it doesn't. Yeah, a teaching isn't changed because this or that prelate says so, no matter how high-ranking they may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When uh, Cardinal Hallrich said that the social scientific foundations of this teaching is no longer correct, uh, that was, he didn't say a lot there, but one, the first thing that came to mind was, I didn't think that this teaching was rooted in the sociological scientific uh, foundations, that this was, right. you know, this was a question of uh, divine revelation, natural law. So mm-hmm. what, what is, yeah, he, what well, is he really he's, getting he's at? Re- he is referring back to that, that liberation theology uh, attitude that okay. well, we, know more, we know more about how people live and how people love, gotcha. and so uh, we should change the teaching. Um, you know, people in the first century uh, AD would not even have thought of this as a real thing, but we know better because we, you know, our anthropology is different. But that's exactly the point, is that human nature doesn't change. Certainly the nature of the human body doesn't change. And so this teaching, which is rooted in that, uh, can't change. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, do you have any, uh, any? well, I, I hear the music coming up. The question I was going to ask mm-hmm. you, you couldn't be able to answer in the amount of time we have left. Father, let me thank you, though, for the work that you do. Thank you very much. For being with us today. And, uh, again, standing firm in the teaching of the church and offering the kind of uh, compassionate support that we need to offer one another. Thank you. Thank you, Al. Father Philip Wachowski will have uh, his open letter available for you in the uh, Cresta Guest Archives.